Yeah. <laughs> it was actually somebody had brought it up to me. I remember I had someone come visit me out where I was working and they just looked at me and they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? And it was like, I was a shell of myself. And I know that phrase gets thrown out there, but it really was. It was just like, I was going through the most motions just to get through this social interaction so I could get back to going to work. Welcome to the Sports is Job podcast, Journey of the Working Sports Professional. We interview sport industry professionals to learn about what they do, how they do it, why they do it, and how they got to where they are today. I'm Kobe Castillo, and you are listening to Sports as a Job. In this Sports as a Job podcast episode, we are joined by Ashley Strauss, the creative director for the Detroit Lions. Ashley has over 10 years of experience working in the sports industry, and it has literally taken her across the country. She's a former student athlete as a member of the softball team at Eastern Michigan University, where she graduated with her bachelor and master's degree. She spent five years working at the college athletics level with her last stint as the director of creative services at Mississippi State University Athletics in 2015. She transitioned into pro sports in November of 2015, working for the Tennessee Titans and then working for the San Diego Padres. Finally, in 2018, she made her homecoming to her current position with the Detroit Lions. So you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. First question. If you could host your own podcast, what would the name be and what would it be about? Okay, I can tell you I would love to do a podcast about video games. I'm a huge gamer. Um, I don't know what I would name it. God, throw me on the spot here. Well, what's your what's what's your favorite game then? What from that? Oh, you... I've got. I mean, I've been playing games, video games, since I was a kid. But like, let us finish. I just finished Last of Us Two. Okay. Which is awesome. Um, I've I've tried Fortnite. I'm terrible at it. I'm more into like RPG RPG storytelling games. What do you um, play? Are you a PC player? Xbox, PS4? I play PlayStation. PlayStation. There you go. I got a PS4 as well. Yeah. Join, join play, PlayStation over here. Okay. Second question. So if you were on a strict diet for two weeks and then you finally got a cheat meal, cheat meal, what would your meal be? I would say. It would be a barbecue chicken pizza. Ooh, just okay. load it up. Yeah. Number three, what's your favorite color combo? I, I'm not saying this is like because they pay me, but like the lions, the Honolulu blue and silver is, you know, that, that tone of blue. I like it. I did see you post that picture of the Honolulu blue, uh, the, the jersey. And I was like, dude, that, that color is fire. Number mm-hmm. four. What is your favorite creative software that you like to see, like to use? Like, um, I'm in Photoshop a lot, so I guess I'd say that um, gets most attention out of everything in that creative file. But if I had to discriminate, I guess Photoshop. Perfect. And the last question, number five, is when you unplug from your work, mm-hmm. what is it that you're usually doing? Um, read, doing some reading, playing video games, <laughs> basically not. Being at my computer, walking yeah. dogs, sitting outside, I like to go camping, um, just trying to get my mind out of work mode in any way I can. 
And that's something that's like something I did notice, like right off the bat, like when I was looking at your like your social media, it was something that you kind of pushed towards people and you you talked about in your tweets and stuff was unplugging and stuff. And I think that's something that I'm learning as well, um, especially because when you start right, you start right off the bat, right in your career, you kind of you're kind of aggressive in the sense like you want to just do everything and get after mm-hmm. that. Like for you, was that I mean. Did you learn, is this something you learned like later on in your career or was it like you always kind of knew like you had to unplug? It was definitely something I learned. When I first got into my career, I always felt like if I wasn't working, then somebody else was working harder. And then it eventually took me a while to learn to work smarter and not harder. And I'm, I'm saying this and not to knock somebody who really does enjoy working 80 to 100 hours. And obviously there are times where we have to put in the long days, but I learned that that shouldn't be the norm that we should take time to be ourselves. You know, this is just a job. We're just, we're just people trying to get through right now, the craziness that is the world. Um, But I used to, I mean, I still do in a way suffer from imposter syndrome where you're seeing people that are putting out work all the time. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, I don't, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not this good or, you know, I have to be posting work every day if I want to stay relevant. And that's, I mean, that's not necessarily the case. Um, I feel like taking that time to remove yourself from your title, so to speak, and just be Ashley Strauss as a person benefits you in the long run, because when you come back, you have fresh eyes and a fresh mind and you tend to do better work. And by Mm -hmm. you, I mean like, me speaking personally for myself um so yeah it was it was just a process it took me a while i i had been through jobs where i'd be burnt out by wednesday and Mm -hmm. i would have friends or family saying like hey we're eating dinner like you know can you not be on your laptop and i'm like oh i gotta do this for work and that was always the excuse and um it took me a while but you know, you'll get to a point where you value yourself as a person more than an employee. And if if you find that situation where you're having to sacrifice one or one over the other, then, you know, sometimes we, we have to make decisions and I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm in a role where people look at us as people first. Um, and there's a lot of empathy and understanding in what we do. And so if you find yourself in a nice situation like that, just hang on to it thrive in it yeah and, and it's interesting because of the fact that i can openly say like the past couple of weeks you know i actually went through that kind of the process where i was burned out type of deal mm-hmm. like i was looking at things and i i felt this pressure from everywhere my full-time job my passion projects people asking for directions you know what to do how to do it and i just had to like leave for a little bit. And it was kind of perfect timing because I took a little trip to Missouri um, to help my brother move into college. And it was perfect timing because I got to unplug. You know, I, I wasn't so focused on everything because like you were saying, um, and it's unfortunate, you know, I've lost, you know, friends and relationships and, and I understand it now because like how you were saying, like you were on your laptop at dinner. That was me like all the time, right? Like you're, you're on dates or you're, you're doing things and you're on your phone. You're like, what are you doing? Well, I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta make sure that social media post went out or, you know, I got to post something because we forgot to add it or, or different things like that. Now, now the, the, the memory for me is very vivid because I, I remember that day 
because it was about like three o'clock, four o'clock. And I was like, I need to get out. I need to do something. I need to stop. Like everything just felt overwhelming. Do you remember kind of like a, a time where that burnout hit you? Like, can you recall a moment? Yeah, <laughs> it was actually somebody had brought it up to me. I remember I had someone come visit me out where I was working and they just looked at me and they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? And it was like, I was a shell of myself. And I know that phrase gets thrown out there, but it really was. It was just like, I was going through the most motions just to get through this social interaction so I could get back to going to work. And, you know, it, it, and if in retrospect, it wasn't even that I had to be connected to my phone or laptop. I had just been conditioned up to this point that if I wasn't available 24 seven, then I was feeling guilty. Like, that I wasn't, um, you know, doing my job or I was doing um, a disservice to my employer when in, at the end of the day, we don't owe them anything, right? We're there to do our job. And when, you know, when the evening comes, as long as there's nothing imperative or nothing that needs to get done, we're entitled to that time to ourselves to relax and rewind. And um, I think it was just that one interaction where they're like, put your phone away. I just flew out here to see you. And the whole time you've just like been like a zombie. Mm. It's because my mind was so concerned with that guilt of like, what if I get an email? What if we, there's a trade or, you know, a score, like something that happens in a game that was going on. So um, that just kind of made me say, okay, well, I guess I really <laughs> need to kind of have a little bit of internal reflection here and see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And then that was kind of the turning point where I was like, all right. I need to unplug. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this like, is not healthy. It's, it's for the young professional, because I mentioned again, because in the beginning of a career, you have these goals and you want to be available, right? I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. many tips out there to say, hey, the person who's available is the person who usually gets the opportunity. That's the person that moves up the ladder. That's the person who does this. How, you know, to, I mean, advice to me, uh, advice to any young sport professional out there. How do we figure out that fine balance? How do we finally tell ourselves that like, hey, start viewing yourself as a person as much as employee, unplug. Like what, it, what, what, what is the steps to do that? I think one, you need to recognize that you are entitled to a personal life. Like, you know, consider any of your friends or family who work in a typical nine to five when they clock out or they leave work, they can go be who they are. Right. And with sports as a 24 seven business, we feel the need that we also have to be a 24 seven business. But unfortunately, too many people buy into that. And in reality, we don't need to. Um, So for somebody who feels like they're obligated to do so just take a minute to think about it. Like, is this the culture that has been established here? Are we being treated as cogs in the wheel or are we being treated as people who can contribute with our skills and our experience and recognize what you have to contribute. So it doesn't necessarily have to be hours that you can provide to a company. It could be ideas. It could be new ways of doing things. So just trying not to be so focused on being available and being treated as like, I can call you whenever I need you. Yes, that's saying you're reliable, but I can also be reliable in the hours that I'm there. Mm. So, you know, I've been places where 
if you're not there or you're, you're, you're expected to be there or available 24 hours a day. And I will tell you that is not something that you can, it is not something you can keep up for a Mm. long time. It'll weigh down on you. So, um, I would just say learn to be valuable in other ways besides being literally (laughs) available. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest takeaway I just took away from that is kind of like you're saying quality over quantity in the sense yeah. of hours, right? You can do it in, in ideas. And when you are there, you can provide the most value when you are there and you don't have to be off the clock and still do things. Mm-hmm. So Ashley, this is actually kind of a cool thing because I, I, when I was doing the research, I saw this and it's actually going to be kind of fun for me I, I, to actually read this back to you. So our mutual friend for all the listeners out there that's listening, um, Adam Martin, who is the founder of the Maker of Sport podcast. And then he was also a guest on the Sports is Job podcast, but he left a review on your LinkedIn and I'm sure you saw it, right? Um, yeah. And no, he said that ago, but <laughs> yeah, in 2017, right? 2017. And he said, Ashley is one of the few designers working in-house at teams that truly understands the marriage of branding, conceptualism, and visual art. Her next role will be a creative director guaranteed. She may even be my creative director of my own firm. And when you look at your journey, for anybody who, who is interested in looking up your journey, you actually end up becoming like it leads up to your current job today. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you could explain to everybody, you know, what it is that you currently do, but that, that to read that back to you and to see that, that's kind of a cool thing to see that, that that actually yeah. happened and he saw it, you know? Um, so my current role, I'm with the Detroit Lions uh, and my title is creative director. So essentially um, I oversee our design team and photography. Um, and we've kind of worked through like the ideation and design of Detroit Lions branded content. Um, you know, mainly the visual identity for design and marketing efforts across social, print, digital, etc. Um, we work very closely with our video team. So we're call, kind of all in, under that branding umbrella, our external operations umbrella. Um, but my particular department focuses on like what things look like. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've hopped around a few places I'm sure you've seen. Um, mm-hmm. Fun story, I entered college, I went to Eastern Michigan University as a Spanish major, took four years of Spanish in high school, got there, took one year in college, and I was like, yeah, I, I can't keep up. Like, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, so I took some design classes, fell into design, graduated with a degree in design. Uh, I was playing college softball there too, and when I graduated, I had no idea what I was going to do with a design degree. I know I liked it, but I was like, what am I going to make, like pamphlets? Like, what am I going to do? So I, st- I stuck around and coached. Um, and then there was an opportunity as a graduate assistant in the athletic media, di- blah, excuse me, athletic media relations department. Um, so I was working PR for sports. Um, and that's when I knew that, like, my passion, I wanted to be in sports, no matter what realm that was. So I was an SID, Sports Information Director. Um, And then they brought up like, hey, um, you know, we need posters or God, social media, like I joke that it wasn't invented, but like, I I don't think Instagram was around then. And like, it wasn't, (laughs) Twitter wasn't utilized in the way it is now. Um, 
so it was like splash pages and like web skins and stuff um so that's when i realized that like my background and my education could be utilized in the sports field and that's kind of where i went from there and i wanted ended up going to my first real full-time job was at indiana university uh, in bloomington and then um, was working as an SID for softball and volleyball. And then I kind of shifted over into full-time creative. Um, once that need became apparent, they moved me into that role. And then from there, I've been, we talked about Mississippi State. Um, then I moved up to Nashville with the Tennessee Titans, headed out to San Diego Padres. Um, and then, you know, coming full circle, returning home for the Detroit Lions. So kind of dabbled in different uh, professional leagues and then in college too. So just a cumulative experience of the sports industry within the, the country here. Now, what do you credit? Because that's, I mean, this is the secret that the people want the answer to this, right? This is the, the biggest question in the world for the ambitious uh, sport industry professional. What do you credit to your climb within the industry? Um, I would say first and foremost, just networking and getting to know people. Um, there were times where at the time I had met somebody and by me, I meant like chat on Twitter or whatever. Um, and then, you know, six months would go by and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, this opportunity came up. I think you'd be a really good fit. And so, you know, making those connections and nurturing those connections and not just kind of like leaving them where you, where you found them, so to speak, um, had helped me make those moves and also the willingness to like take a chance when mm -hmm. those opportunities arose, right? Like, you know, you might get comfortable and feel like, okay, this is, this is great. I have a good thing going. Obviously there's different factors that weigh into it. I, you know, I don't have kids. I was single. I was able to make that leap without directly impacting, impacting anybody around me. Um, but it, it all goes back to networking, just making sure that your reputation um, in the industry, it is a very, very small world um, in what we do. And so just making sure, um, you know, making the connections in the right way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, so now you worked in college athletics, like you were saying, you know, Eastern Michigan, Indiana, Mississippi State um, and your college athletic days. I mean, you, you, you worked there for a while. Looking back on it, do you have like a favorite memory uh, working in college athletics or an aspect of it compared to working in professional like, sports? I feel like just working with the student athletes and the access you have, and maybe this was because I was younger and I wasn't too many years far removed from being a student athlete myself. Um, there was a relationship of like an understanding of what mm. their day-to-day -day was like, but there's also nothing like a Saturday game day in football, like the tradition, the pageantry, um, you know, tailgating and everything that makes up so much of what college athletics is about, right? Whereas the professional um, level, we still have that, but it's, it's not to the same extent. Um, so I really do miss like, you know, there was nothing like Mississippi State, an SEC football game in Starkville. Like the city just comes alive and you, you feed off that energy and you feel it. Um, there's just something about it that, that can't compare to anything else I've experienced. I know, one of, again, one of our mutual connections, with Mike Ritchie, when I had him on the podcast, 
he talked about that all the time. Like his family would go to the games. And even after being there for over 10, 15 years, it's still the same, like the excitement for that Saturday games. I mean, I went to the University of Hawaii football games when at their peak, when they, we had to play Colt Brennan, undefeated season, we played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. That stadium was packed, but I've never been to like a big football game. And that's obviously on my list. When things go back to normal, obviously, um, is to go to like an SEC game or a Pac-12 game or a Big Ten game and kind of get that feel and that energy because yeah. it's just not matched. I mean, that college athletic like feel to it, the football games, the basketball games, there's just you just can't duplicate it no matter where you go. No, it's tough to do. I mean, it it's definitely a sense of community. You go to like college towns like Ann Arbor or Starkville or any other, you know, I'm just listing places I've been, Bloomington, and to see a city come alive and rally around their team, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's just really powerful. And, you know, obviously there are you know, that happens at the professional level as well. But I don't know. There's just nothing like it. If you could bottle that up and drink it, that feeling, you would make millions of dollars. <laughs> so the, uh, the, I guess, so now there's the transition in your career where the first half of your career, you worked in college athletics. Mm-hmm. And then you make that shift into the professional sports world. So how did you go from, I believe it was Mississippi State to Tennessee, right? Um, mm-hmm. how, how did that opportunity come about? Were you looking to get into the professional sports area? No, I wasn't. Um, it was again, the, somebody I had been networking with, um, someone reached out to them and asked if they were interested and they weren't, they didn't want to make the move. They had family and everything to consider. And so they thought I'd be a good fit. So they kind of connected me with the hiring manager there. And that's just <laughs> kind of how it happened. Well, I mean, see, that's, I think that's important to hear because I think it's, you can't say it enough. It's, it's about, you know, networking and, and that's in the great yeah. example again. I mean, I don't know how many examples of stories that I've had with previous guests and people I've spoke to where they say an opportunity came out because somebody knew me, they knew I, I was a good fit for position. So it's good that you said that again. Now you go there and then you go to basically on the other side of the country um, in San Diego, right? San Diego Padres. How yep. did San Diego, how did the West Coast treat you out there? Uh, the weather is like second to none. <laughs> I will say I really enjoyed uh, 75 degrees, low humidity, nice little ocean breeze up every day. Can't complain about that. Really good food. Uh, cost of living was a little scary, but mm. you know, it wasn't like a New York City or LA. Um, but definitely sticker shock from where I come from. So uh, but yeah, it was, I, I have nothing but good things to say about the city of San Diego, um, the culture there, loved it. Is there a difference between working for a professional football team compared to a professional baseball organization when it comes yes. to doing your job? Absolutely. The number of games mm-hmm. right there um, kind of defines the huge difference. Um, you have 162 versus 16 plus games. Um, and so you kind of have to plan, um, a lot of like template based work, whereas, or in baseball, sorry, um, just because there's so many games and so much content and so many needs. And so you really have to plan and delegate your work 
strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in football, you have one game a week and every single game matters, mm-hmm. right? Like everything is a big deal. So you're pouring so many efforts into one day a week versus kind of taking that and spreading it out over an eight game series. Yeah. Um, so, and then obviously because there are so many games, you do need to help a little bit more with the advertising and getting fans to buy tickets. You know, it's easy to sell a Sunday one o'clock game, right? But how do you get people in the stands for a one o'clock first pitch on a Tuesday? Mm-hmm. So um, from a marketing standpoint and from a sales standpoint, there's a little bit different strategy utilized in that. And then that obviously trickles down to what we do in the creative and design field and helping accommodate those needs. So your focus is, are a lot more on like sales initiatives in baseball. Mm-hmm. You obviously, you see teams that have a lot of fun too with um, just branded content, but um, far more um, like theme games, ticket packages, kind of assisting in those efforts. Whereas um, in the NFL or, or football rather, you don't need to pour as many resources in terms of hours and time into ticket sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is, there is a big difference, like from what I've heard. I mean, it, it is like one of the um, ADs I interned for, he was a big, uh, he worked in the MLB. He had it like he was in tickets and, and being a creative. And he always talked about how literally it's all about figuring out the puzzles, how you get people to the games. Cause they have games literally three, four times a week sometimes. And just like you were saying, like odd times. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if you could even convince me you could throw a free beer and a free hat. And I don't even know if I would go to a game on a Tuesday, Tuesday night, you know, like it's just, so it's interesting in that aspect. Now with your, like your personal experience in in San Diego, do you remember any like food place or any uh, place that you kind of miss that you used to eat regularly out there? Man, the Mexican food was like Mm -hmm. the best I've ever had in San Diego. Um, God, it wasn't that long ago and I'm just blanking, but like California burrito, I don't know if you've ever had one, but they have like French fries in it. And it's just like so odd, but so good. The seafood was so good. Mm. Um, God, the beer scene. I don't know if you're into beer, but like they're known for their IPAs, which I wasn't a fan of when I moved there and then I left, like now I come here and I'm like, what IPAs do you have on tap? <laughs> I, um, yeah. It's just, it brought in your taste no out there. shortage of good stuff to eat or drink when it comes to Southern California. Did you make it out to any um, San Diego charger games? They had already moved to LA oh, did they? when I got there. Yeah. But I went to uh, some, uh, I went San Diego state played my alma mater mm. in football. So I went to the chargers old stadium and watched, them play and then was able to watch some of their um march madness games too um, I'm a, well they hosted i don't think they played in it but i still got to visit san diego i mean everybody what everybody tells me it's a beautiful place and there's a beach there i got a friend who goes to grad school there and then mm-hmm. what based on what you said i mean just the beer the food the weather yeah. i gotta make my way because i did live in california for a little bit and i can definitely you know, reinforce that their burritos with the fries in there is definitely a hit <laughs> and something I miss too. <laughs> it sounds intense because it is, but it's intense in a good way. Yeah. So you go from there to homecoming, right? You get to go yeah. back home. It's your homecoming to Detroit mm-hmm. and you get to go to a higher position. 
And I'm gonna ask the, the question again. How did you get that opportunity? Honestly, the job was posted and I applied and, you know, I guess the rest is history. I didn't know anybody within the organization, but um, I like to think my experience, especially at the Titans and just having um, a background in that helped me get in there. Um, obviously, go through the interv interview process. Um, I thought it went well. I guess it went well. And here, <laughs> here I am. you are. Yeah. Would you change when you look back at your, your career right now, when you kind of reflect, would you change anything about it, the way you went about it, the, the journey that you went through? Um, I don't think I would change anything. Um, I wish I would have taken more time. I know we touched on this before mm -hmm. about taking some time for myself, but I do think that every step taken throughout my career has led me to where I am today. So I, I have no regrets in terms of the decisions I made. Um, but yeah, I, I would have taken more time to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. I think I, I hear a lot of people say that because we do get caught up in the journey and the climb that we don't smell the roses. And that's something I've kind of emphasized on myself is personally is just enjoying it, you know, day by day, enjoying the opportunity, enjoy the fact that in sports, you get to travel across the country, do these different amazing things. And speaking of change, and this is a topic that is big right now, and I think it's important to talk about is the opportunities and the realities of being a woman in sports. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard a lot of stories. I've talked to a lot of women in sports, and we've done stories on sports as a job. But I can never it, – it's not the same when it comes from me when I talk about it or express you know, the change that needs to happen or the change that has happened. So I, I want to start maybe with a positive. When you started in the industry compared to now, has there been positive change, first off? I think so. And I mm -hmm. think that's just a result of seeing um, more women in the industry. And as more women are getting jobs, and not just like coordinator level jobs, but like director and, you know, leadership roles, um, that obviously opens up. Uh, more opportunities, one, for people coming in, and two, the more we take up space and are involved in these atmospheres, people can learn and grow, and culture can change and shift for the better for, for women or other minority groups um, as we, you know, enter into roles that weren't necessarily held by women or other minorities um, in the past. And so I, I think there has been a shift in, in seeing more people step into those type of roles. I've definitely seen it too, because when I look at the landscape of it and when I start to look for guests, I notice how many, you know, how many females, how many women are in these leadership roles, especially like the creative aspect of it. There's a lot of creative directors out there um, that are women. Did you ever deal with that? I mean, did you ever have to go through one of those harsh experiences of, of the realities of being a woman in sports? Yeah. And I think, in my, in my case, one memory that stands out to me, I don't think it was meant to be malicious or like inappropriate. Um, I was at a meeting and I was going to lead um, a meeting with a creative agency that was pitching some ideas to us. And I was the only woman on the in-house team or representative in-house that was a female. And these people were very kind, walked in. Um, and then asked me to get them coffee because I think mm -hmm. they assumed they may have been an administrative assistant or 
somebody in a role that would have done that. Um, and I just said, oh, you can help yourself. There's the way they handled it. Normally if they asked if there was water, I would have been like, here, I'll get you some. But the way that it was said, um, and then my, my supervisor didn't even miss a beat. He was just like, oh, by the way, this is Ashley. She's going to be leading this entire meeting. And the guy just was like instantly apologetic. And, um, so like, you know, I don't think he, I'm not going to demonize him and say, oh, he's a bad guy. I think he just has, this is a space that's been um, heavily, um, you know, involved. It's just a lot of men in this space, right? Mm -hmm. And so traditionally when they see women in these spaces, it was always as, you know, can you get me coffee, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the more that we are taking on roles and the more that we're stepping into this industry, people are going to learn and change and grow. and, you know, like that's just a very mild, very like surface yeah. level interaction that sticks out to me, you know, but I also have a very, um, I don't have a very public facing role. You could go talk to sideline reporters, people that are on camera, um, and they could probably tell you far worse. I mean, mm-hmm. you see comments on social media and you see the worst and the worst of people um, and, and what they have to say. So um, I've been fortunate personally to have very, um, a very positive experience, but I don't want to speak on behalf of all women, obviously, because I've, I've heard terrible stories, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a ways to go, but, you know, I think we're, we're definitely growing and trending in a better direction than we were, say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's important because you, you mentioned it earlier, another comment that you made about how the more women that, that get into these roles, the more opportunities that, that pop up, the more change that happens. And with any change, it takes time to get used to, right? And, and like you were saying, that situation that you just said, um, that happened because in this industry, it's always been that the women's the one that gets the coffee in those type of roles. But now it's changing. So everyone's kind of got to break that, like that train of thought, that habit, the habitual way of thinking. Now for, for a male, because I think women always stick up for each other and they do the, they do the thing, they support each other. How does a male like myself and the other males in the sports industry, how do we help women um, in that aspect? Or, or maybe we don't, maybe it's just something that we just recognize and that's it. Like, well, well, what's your opinion and how does like a male such as myself help women in the sports industry? Um, I mean, I wish I had a magic answer for that. It's mm-hmm. kind of a complex question, but I would say um, to just trust in women to do their jobs. Um, you know, one issue is that we've, what we face is that our knowledge and our credibility is challenged. Um, and if we do make mistakes, even though minor, people sometimes use that as rationale why we don't belong in this mm-hmm. male-dominated industry. And so I think just um, uplifting women, supporting them, and then obviously if you if you witness um, interactions um, or behavior that is making a woman uncomfortable or you feel that is inappropriate, mm-hmm. um, being able to take this person aside and say, hey, is there anything I can do? Um, and if that's a, ma- a matter of going up to HR or you know, confronting this person um, about their behavior or, or their words used, then mm-hmm. so be it. Um, but it's it, obviously it's a delicate issue, you know, mm-hmm. Um, I wish it wasn't, uh, yeah. but I think just, just 
offering to be there and be supportive and help. So if there's opportunities to amplify um, women and who work in the industry or in any aspect of life, really, then take that opportunity to do so. Yeah. And, and it's, it's crazy because you look at the sports is job podcast and then the sports is job articles. And it wasn't even intentionally what I did is that I probably have more women as guests and more um, articles about women than, than men. And it wasn't even the fact because we were intentionally trying to do that. It just seems like there is more women in leadership roles. There's more women out there that are in the sports industry and it's changing from the percentage wise. It's just, it's not 80, 20 anymore. It's maybe it's 70, 30, 60, 40. I mean, it's getting close to 50, 50. So there is definitely change in there. Now, the last thing I would like to ask you is for the young sport professional like myself, Mm -hmm. what is your advice um, on their approach to their career? Well, I know we talked a lot about networking and and how Mm -hmm. that can help you you know, obtain certain roles, right? Just because you haven't made those connections doesn't mean you can't get into these jobs. So first, just throwing that out there, like just because it worked for me doesn't mean that's the only way to get jobs. And two, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, if you if you look at somebody who kind of mirrors the work or um, isn't a job that you envision yourself working in, just don't hesitate to reach out and ask them questions and be curious. Um, You know, nine times out of 10 people are very responsive. And in the times that they're not um, most of the time, it's just that they're busy or they saw the message and then forgot to get back to them. Um, I feel like it's a pretty open and welcoming um, industry. Obviously it's very competitive, um, you know, especially in professional sports, whereas you know, there's only 32 potential creative directors in the NFL, but there could be an upwards of a thousand in the, in the collegiate realm. So like, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work out to work in the NFL or major league baseball or major league soccer or WNBA or whatever, you know, there's so many different opportunities within the sports industry that you can pursue. So like one, I guess three, don't, don't get, uh, disheartened if if something doesn't work out like I applied for probably 80 something jobs before I landed at Indiana right um and who's to say that if you don't get this job today that two months from now your dream job will open up so just try not to get discouraged um maintain your networking contacts and then just try to stay current and try to stay educated on what's going on back to like how technology evolves. Like you have to evolve as a human as well. So I guess that's in a nutshell what I would say. <laughs> I mean, that's great right there. I, I mean, that's things that I need to apply, like keeping up with your network, staying up to date. I mean, those things never go out of date. And that's, I think that's stuff that we definitely need to hear and, and advice that's much needed right now during a time where a lot of the industries, you know, people who graduate just from college or, you know, the recently graduates, whether it's a year or two years from a goal, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird time for everybody right now. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely a weird time. So it's, it's figuring out, using that advice and figure out how can you better yourself in, in the current landscape of things. The last thing is, um, could you please share your social medias where people can, you know, reach out to you and contact you on, on Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn? Um, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Ashley uh, Strauss, A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-R-A-U-S-S. And you can also find me 
on LinkedIn as well. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the podcast. No problem. Thanks. Thank you as always for joining us in the Sports is Job podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Ashley Strauss. I have to give her another shout out for being such an amazing guest and offering all of her experience, her advice, and her opinions to all of us. A couple things before I do let you go. Exciting news. The Rookie Contract Podcast is being launched this Monday. Be on the lookout for that. That podcast will literally be all about the interns within the sports industry, their experience, how they got the internship. And if you're looking for another podcast, we have the Outnumber Podcast with Kelly and Hollis, where basically they help you navigate the sports industry. They cover topics like, should I get my master's in sports? Should I work these internships? All these different career advice, while they also share with you their personal experience of working in sports. And if you're looking for more information and more content, visit our website at sportsisajob.com. We got all the podcasts on there, all the articles ready for you to consume and really get sports as a job. So until next time, like we always say, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.